You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Dancing Man, a fabulous invalid podcast featuring exclusive behind-the-scenes interviews with the cast and creative team of Bob Fosse's Dancing on Broadway. I'm Rob Russo. I'm Jamie Dumont. And we're your hosts. Dancing sadly closed on Broadway on May 14th, but we remain so proud to have been co-producers on the show. And we still had a few cast members to talk with, and so we headed back to the Roseville Cocktail Room at Civilian one last time for a few final conversations. Yes, and joining us for this episode is cast member Colton Krauss. I feel like Colton needs no introduction, but (laughs) they performed in the original revival company of Cats on Broadway while simultaneously studying dance at Juilliard. They also appeared in the film adaptation of Cats on the FX series Fosse Verdon, and Colton was named one of Dance Magazine's top 25 to watch in 2018 and is the only person to win all four national titles at the New York City Dance Alliance, which we will talk to them about because... It's something that I didn't really know anything about, but uh, Colton shared some information on. They are incredibly, incredibly talented. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the highlights of seeing Dancing at the Music Box Theater for the brief and shining moment that it was on Broadway was seeing Colton Krauss on stage. I agree with that. And that's kind of universal. I feel like everybody agrees with that. Yeah, everyone. (laughs) All right, let's get to the conversation. Colton, welcome to the show. Thank Thanks. you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're delighted. We've been looking forward to <laughs> yes. this one. Oh, yeah. um, excited. If, I'm, if I can be so bold as mm-hmm. to say, we are talking to you as you are heading into your final weekend of dancing. Yes. So it's been a journey, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, one that's been, what, roughly two years of your life yeah. from, from start to finish, so start, to speak? Yeah, exactly. So, and two different locations, yeah, you know, San Diego right. and New York. How was that going out of town? You know, it was fun. We bonded as a cast a lot because we were all like stuck in this one place the shyly all together and we were like we didn't love the shyly but you know we bonded over it was it like a fraternity sorority kind of experience yeah it was like summer camp we were at like summer theater (laughs) camp all together just like going to you know the old globe and then going to the beach all together it was really fun but (laughs) San Diego is not a terrible place to have to be for a a month or two yeah it's not horrible and I had my car so Mm. I I was good at least Wow, that's nice. Do you have a car here? No, I don't. It was when I lived in Arizona during the pandemic. So I bought a car and then I sold it when I moved back here. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Hard to keep a car in New York City. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So how are you feeling today? What's what's going what's going on through your mind as you head into this last weekend of performances? Good. I'm trying to keep it clear because like I don't want my emotions to get you know too out there because you know it's kind of it's kind of hard to sing and cry at the same time yeah. and you, you still know, have to do the thing exactly right? and if i come out doing spring chicken crying that's gonna be that's gonna be a weird moment it's a different chicken <laughs> it's yeah. a different chicken yeah, yeah. I, I mean i would not be opposed to seeing that but i understand why you don't want to show the yeah. world that we get it. We get yeah it. We get it. yeah no, that makes sense. Uh-huh. So taking a step back, you just mentioned you were in Arizona for the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You're from Arizona originally. Right? Yes. Uh, when did you start dancing? What was your, your first, you know, 
introduction to dance? So I think I started dancing around like seven or eight that age. And it was because of my sister. Growing up, I wanted to do everything she did. And so when she did soccer, I did soccer. I can do that. Yeah, exactly. It was was that. And then she did um, dance. And I was like, cool, I'll try it. And then after that, I was like, I'm done trying what she's doing. I'm just going to do this. But we both danced together um, until she graduated and she opened up her own salon. Was there a particular type of dance that you that you you know sort of got into or was it all of it was it you know ballet tap dance jazz you know all of it yeah so first I started with hip-hop because Mm. that's yeah Yeah. just what I started with and then my studio owner came into class one day and she grabbed me and she was like you're gonna be doing ballet jazz tap hip-hop acro you're gonna do it all and I was like Okay. And then that kind of started it. So Wanda Manville was really the one who started my career. And at what point did you think that this is a career, that this is something I could do, you know, as a job? I think it was when I was competing at New York City Dance Alliance, Mm. because during their nationals, they had a lot of real world opportunities, if you will. And so (laughs) there was a lot of auditions that were happening. And it was, I don't know if I was nine or 10, I think I was around that age. And I auditioned for, they had Billy Elliot come in because Billy Elliot was on Broadway. And I auditioned for that and they were looking for a new Billy because they aged out a lot. And so I made it to the final callback of that. And I think that was when I was like, oh, this is a career and like (laughs) weird, but then I was too tall. So (laughs) isn't that this business, huh? You're you're too tall. You're too short. You're too this, you're too that. All the aged out Annie's, Billy's and Oliver's (laughs) out there. They should form their own union. Yeah, they know. should, really. Yeah, right? Sort of have. <laughs> oh, true. Uh, well, you just mentioned the New York City Dance Alliance. And I, to be honest, I don't know what it is. So could you share a little bit about what the New York City Dance Alliance is yeah. and how it featured in your your training and your, your career? Yeah, so it's founded by Joe Lanteri. And it's just, it's this dance competition and convention. They focus mainly on the convention aspect of it. Um, and it's not a lot of competition. I find that like a lot of other competitions is more about like, who's going to win, who's going to do that. But when you go there and compete as an outstanding dancer or whatever, you create this like family with everyone there. Mm. And you kind of, Joe creates this atmosphere of like everyone supporting everyone. Like sure, there's obviously a winner, but like, it's not about the prize. It's about what you gain from this experience. Mm. I found it more about getting in these different classes, switching different genres of dance, every hour and like trying to adapt that. And so it was great in teaching me how to um, step into an audition room after the fact. But yeah, so it's basically just this big convention and competition that travels around the world. I think they go to 26 cities around the world and then they have their nationals in New York. And then they just do as many like real world opportunities. The Rockettes usually come and do an audition. Uh, for like the little girls to play Clara and also the Rockettes. And then Andy Blankenbuehler usually usually comes. That's how I met him when I was younger. Josh Burgos is always there. Like it's just, it's really great. He has a really great uh, tight knit community that's also in the professional world. So Mm. it's really cool learning from all of them. Yeah. And it sounds like community is the key word, right? That Mm -hmm. it's about building this, you know, community of dancers from all different walks of life, all different styles. And it sounds like it's also like an ongoing thing, right? It's just, Mm -hmm. it's all, is it all year round and all the different places that it travels to? Yeah. So they start in the end of October Mm -hmm. and then it goes through, actually this weekend is their last uh, regional city. Mm -hmm. And then summer is, is the end of June through the beginning of July, I think, or something like that for their nationals. But yeah. So basic kind of, there's a couple months where they're off, but mainly it is you, yeah. you, you've just answered so many questions that I've had. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Because, of course, I did no research. Yeah. <laughs> so, so thank you. That's, that was a very Why good... Why would we do research? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we did a little bit of research because we know yes. you went to Juilliard. Yes, I did. So I'm curious, speaking of auditions, <laughs> what was that audition like for, for Juilliard? Oh, my gosh. It was kind of stressful, kind of not at the same time, because at <laughs> that point I wasn't sure if I wanted to, like... A week before, I was like, I'm not going to go to this audition. I don't want to go to school. And then five days before, my mom was like, we have the flight where you're just going. And if you don't get in, you don't get in. Cool. And it's basically like you do a ballet class, they make a cut. You do a modern class, they make a cut. You do a rep class, they make a cut. You do your solo that you've prepared for them or whatever, they make a cut. And then you do an interview. And like they cut pretty drastically, (laughs) to be honest. Um, Not as bad as they used to. I heard 
horror stories from some of the older people I know who auditioned before me and they were like, yeah, they started walking around at plies, which is the first thing you do at bar. And we're tapping people. I'm like, thank you so much for coming. And like, you're cut. They didn't do that. They cut after every round, but it was based, they cut very drastically. Like in our rep round, we had, it started out with like, hmm, there's like 200 maybe or 150 of us, something like that. And they cut it down like by the rep round, which was the third round. There was only seven of us. Oh, that is harsh. Yeah. Seven. Uh huh. And then, I think they, they kept everyone from that round to do their solos just because they were like, let's just see it. Yeah. And then after that, there was they interviewed three people. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you being one of them. Yes. What's going through your mind when you're one of seven or one of three? I, I try not to think about it because yeah. I'm just like, eh, you could get cut any moment. Right. So, you know. So you just have to do you. Exactly. I'm just going to be here and listen and... Yeah. Do whatever they ask. And That's good advice, I think. Yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. don't stress about it. <laughs> I'm getting the sense that you were sort of unfazed by that whole audition process. Or was it challenging and stressful? At the beginning, I got I was nervous. And so, like, I didn't eat a lot. And then, like, halfway through, I was like, I really should have ate because it was like a full day event. <laughs> yeah. It was like from 10 until like 5. And I was yeah. like, I'm so hungry. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that was just like the nerves at the beginning of it. But then once I got in the room, I was like, okay, like this is easy. It's a ballet class. It's a yeah. modern class. You know this. Yeah. I'm like, I've taken all this and yeah. like, like I was saying, NYCDA trained me for it basically. Right. So I'm like, I know how to do this. Well, I get, it's funny. Cause you know, that, that's, it's all in how you look at things, mm -hmm. right? You know, it's, it's the frame of reference that you bring because yeah. in a way, aren't we all always auditioning? Exactly. You know, <laughs> every day we step out the door, right? You know, I mean, it's not <laughs> life in this business, right? But if you don't think of it that way, then yeah. and you just do you. You know, exactly. then rewards will come. Right? Exactly. So shortly after starting at Juilliard, I mm -hmm. believe you were cast in Cats, right? Yes. So how did that come about? I guess it was it through Andy Blankenbuehler. Mm -hmm. or, yeah. yeah, it was. I um, because I grew up with him, uh, yeah. knowing him and uh, assisting him and stuff in these competition settings. I emailed him and I was like, "Hey, like I'd love to see because I never been technically to like a real." Broadway audition. So I didn't really know what it was like because yeah. I just did the NYCDA ones, which is kind of different. And then they call you in and like, we did like an NYCDA thing for Newsies, but it was only people from an NYCDA. So we just tapped and then sang a song. So I emailed him and I was like, Hey, I'd love to just see what a real audition is like. I'm at school here. Can I come in? Because also Cats was like one of the first musicals I've ever saw, like the DVD, and I would run around the house pretending I was Victoria. <laughs> and so I was like, well. Good choice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was great choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I just emailed him, and then he was like, yeah, absolutely. And he was like, well, I need to know, like, if you got offered a role, would you take it? Because basically he was like, don't waste your time coming in. If like that. And I'm like, okay. And I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, I take it. It's it's Cats. I, I want to be in that. Went to that audition. I missed, I think... I missed like three days of school because it was like three weeks of auditions. There was wow. so much. They yeah. auditioned every single dancer in New York City. It was like wild, much like the process for dancing. Like yeah. there were over a thousand people or whatever. Got the call that I booked it because I didn't have an agent at that time. And so they just called me directly and I was like, okay. And I called uh, Joe and Leah Brandon, who um, at the time was... Um, she was also part of NYC Day. She was like the, uh, what is it called? Like the director. And so I called her. I was like, so I'm trying to do both school and the show. I don't know if that's possible. And she was like, it's going to be the hardest thing you'll ever do. And then Joe was like, you have to present Larry with what you are going to miss. So have a full schedule out. You'll miss this. You'll miss this. You'll miss this. But you won't miss this. And I talked to Andy uh, before I went in and I was like, hey, can I not understudy anything? Because I can't go to those rehearsals because I'll be in school. He was like, great. Did all that. And I was like, I only missed 30 minutes of one class. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah. And so I planned it all out and I presented it to him and he was like, yeah, go for it. Because yeah. they have this thing where they want to like break a dancer down <laughs> to build you up because that's how you become a true artist. And they couldn't break me down. And so they're like, maybe when you're really tired and exhausted, you'll break down and then you'll build into a real artist. So he was like, go for it. And so that was how I got to do it. <laughs> they never broke you down, did they? No. Yeah. I don't I get the sense you don't break down easily. No, no, not really. <laughs> I haven't. It's funny. I told someone in the cast, I was like, I have not cried this much since 
I was like 12 years old. Mm. Like once we got like the news or whatever, just thinking about like not being with everyone, like this whole family. I'm like, they really like took a, like a place in my heart. And I was like, wow. And I like, everyone was like, yeah, you don't cry. And I'm like, no, I don't. And I've cried every night since. So (laughs) is that what you'll miss most? The cast, the the camaraderie, Mm -hmm. that experience versus the, the, actually doing of the show? Uh, I think doing the show too, because it's like obviously them, but then getting to dance with them on stage and sharing that energy on the stage, knowing what the audience is getting from it, because everyone's story is so uniquely different and everyone is authentically being themselves and like representing something that like someone connects to. And so like knowing that that opportunity is not going to be there anymore is it's, it's kind of all of it. It's bittersweet because I think particularly with Danson, there it's unlikely that a show like this will come back anytime soon. It's such a rare piece of theater. Theater is changing so much. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that we got to be a part of it, but that audiences got to see it even in its brief run because yeah. it. I think it's important. I do too. I really do. And it just showcases dancers in such a great light as like all of us are triple threats as well. And that's what I also think is so sad about the commercial, Mm. just the commercial world in general, commercial theater, commercial TV and film. I mean, I've been on all these sets, how they treat dancers are like, they treat us like we're background characters always. And like, we're like, we do so much and they just don't want to give anyone a chance really, unless you like make them in a way. And so I think it was, I do think everyone in the show got what they needed to get out of it by being on stage and like people coming and seeing because there were a lot of um, people in the community who are on the director side, who are on the casting side, who came and got to see it. And they're like, Mm. oh, they can hold their own and they can be in the spotlight and they're just as good as these big stars that we hire. And so maybe we can start making a name for people again. I don't know. It was a real showcase. Yeah, it really was. In addition to being what it was, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it had that ancillary effect of of really giving you all an opportunity to show what you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, we all know from seeing the <laughs> show, you're all triple threats. Yeah. You can all act, you can all sing, and you can all dance. Mm-hmm. And so often, as you just said, ensemble, ensemble, I'm using air quotes here, you know, yeah. ensemble members don't get to do that. Uh-huh. Exactly. Right? Have you been able to identify what you got out of the experience? Have you have you wrapped your head around that? Not fully, yeah. I don't think yet. I know that like what I'm representing on stage being um, a non-binary performer, I know I never got it when I was a kid. So mm-hmm. I know that there's someone out there that is looking at me and being like, oh, I can do this and my story also matters and not to hide and pretend to be something they're not just because um, the commercial world doesn't want to see that in a way. So I know that at least. Let's not gloss over that. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. That's a big, you it's just a revolution said it, in it, a way. A revolution is a great word for you it because you just said you never saw that on stage. Yeah. You didn't see that in film or television mm-hmm. necessarily growing up. Yeah. Right. So now you get to be that for, mm-hmm. for people. Yeah. And I feel like it also comes in a, I mean, I feel like I keep using this word authentic, but like it doesn't feel like a stereotype. A lot of the times when I see mm. it in recent films, TV, or even Broadway, they always try to stereotype it in a way of like, this is what a person should be. This is what a non-binary person should be in the world. And they're trying to present it and spin a story on as like, this is acceptable to make it more palatable for audiences, I feel. And I don't know, I've always noticed that in a way. It's like the entertainment world wants to control the narrative on what a gay person is on what this is. And I'm like, there's so, it's so vast from just like, Oh my God, you guys Uh like, (laughs) and that's what they always showcase it as like this overly thing just to like prove a point. We could go down a rabbit hole here, but there's, there's, there's the homophobia, Mm -hmm. right? Which is one thing. Then there's ignorance, Mm -hmm. which is all part and parcel to the same. There's fear, Mm -hmm. which is also, I think they're all wrapped up, but, to what you just said, which I think is really the important thing, not every non-binary person 
is the same. Mm -hmm. Not every heterosexual person is the same. Not every homosexual person is the same. When you're up on that stage and you're being Colton, Mm -hmm. right? You're being who you are. Mm -hmm. What do you think the world is receiving? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you want people to receive? What do you, what do you want to represent as a non-binary performer person, but also just as Colton? Yeah. Oh, that's a really great question. (laughs) I don't know. I've talked a lot about it with, um, and maybe it falls under the same thing, um, but I've talked a lot about it with my voice coach and co-songwriter, Mario Spinetti, about basically just, he always asked me like, what's the message you want to, what's the gift you want to give to the world Mm. as you're performing? And it's always in the world of like, I just want everyone to feel welcome. I want everyone to feel accepted in the space, whether, no matter what they look like. And so that's what, what I think I want my performance is always to do, even if they, people don't necessarily look at me and they're like, oh yeah, that's me. Like if it's someone who is heterosexual, I want them to feel welcome in the space too. And I always feel like, yeah, you're great as you, I'm great as me. Let's all be great together. And like, it's okay to be whatever you want. And so I think that's kind of what, I just want people to feel welcome and safe and accepted no matter how they present to the world. Is that how you look at spring chicken? <laughs> spring chicken is like a different character. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about spring chicken. Spring chicken is when my Gemini comes out. <laughs> okay. Well, so I'm a Gemini. I can relate. Uh-huh, you know, yeah. I get it. I don't know about spring chicken. Spring chicken is a little feistier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I think what I meant mm-hmm. by that was really yeah. as an audience member, when I see spring chicken, I, I can see how certain audience members would look at spring chicken and mm-hmm. they, they see bondage. They see sexualization. Mm-hmm. They see a world they don't understand, or they see a world they do understand and mm-hmm. they see, th- you know, whatever it is. Yeah. But like when I watch you perform spring chicken, I think spring chicken is inviting us yeah. all to, yeah. be, right. Which uh-huh. is what you're saying is yeah. right. You, you had just said that like what you want people to feel is comfortable and you want people mm-hmm. to feel. So I, that's what yeah. I get from spring chicken, but maybe that's just, well, I, I do think that I think I think it's also because I feel some of that energy from the audience when they're like, whoa, okay, yeah. this is very sexual now all of a sudden. And um, so I think I feel some of that. So sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not giving that story. But like, I guess I am thinking that because I'm like, there's this Peter John Cherson is this person. He's Cyril. He's new to the world. And I'm like, come into my home and let's play. And you're welcome here. And so like, I am thinking that in a way, I don't know. It's also when everyone's like, it's so sexual. And I'm like, I'm literally staying just because the outfit is like sexual. I'm literally doing a hip. Liza Minnelli (laughs) literally did it. Like, I'm like, it's not, I don't think the choreography is overtly sexual. And so when people are like, oh, it's so sexual, not appropriate for kids and things. I'm like, I think just the outfit is, but like when you go to the beach and you see girls in thong bikinis and like, like, I'm like, it's, I don't understand. Like you see it in the summer. So I don't know how you're saying this is now because I'm in a hinge doing an isolated movement. It's so sexual. I just realized for the first time, and I've seen the chair dance multiple times. I watch cabaret Mm -hmm. once or twice a year, at least. And I just realized now this isn't necessarily your movement, but I just realized like a week ago that ultimately what they're doing on the chairs at one point are mountain climbers. The oh. exercise, that's what it like. Oh, and, yeah. And, and it's so funny that, and it isn't, I'm mm-hmm. oversimplifying some yeah. really great choreography and mm-hmm. I don't mean to do that, but it's also yeah. like, it's a workout. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just hard. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I did, I did, was one of the Kit Kat girls in the uh, Fosse Verdon television series and I did that part and yeah. it it's so it is a workout but it is a mountain climber but it also <laughs> is like I don't know like the slaps um Valerie Pettifor taught us mm. um it and she basically was like anytime you slap you don't rest your hand on the ground it's not like a slap 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 it's like a ooh it's like a, it was hot like the mm. surface was hot so you hit it and it's like a tap off. almost like yeah a, yeah and so there's that energy to it like it's like ooh hot 
hot. And so like that must be like the sexual part of it, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, it is a mountain climber. Or it's climber. just heat. Yeah. yeah. Right. How was it working with Valerie Pettiford? I'm a big fan of hers. She is the most incredible human mm. I've ever met. She, <laughs> I mean. What an endorsement. Yeah. The way she teaches her knowledge on the Fosse work, it is mm. just, I literally was like, wow. And her, just her as an actress and like mm. how Masterclass. her mind yeah. thinks. Like I'm like. Oh my God. So that's, I think why she can also explain it so well, because she was like, no, you should be feeling it here. Like it should be like, you're doing that. I'm like, Oh wow. Like, I'm like, I, I understand that. And it was really great. And like, she would watch it and like, she would get emotional and she'd be like, I know he's so proud of you guys right now. And then oh, she's wow. like, okay, let's fix this a little. But then like, <laughs> he's proud, but let's, uh, let's clean yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she literally <laughs> every time. Do it better. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. But every time she was like, Mr. Fossey would have loved working with you. And like, she just, uh, she got so emotional because she was like seeing the work again. Mm. And I think that's, it's really special when all these legends who have worked with him come and see it. And then they're seeing the work again and they're like, Oh my God, he lives on. Yeah. And like, it's powerful. Yeah. It's very, yeah. Powerful. it's very special. Mm -hmm. Before we move on from spring chicken, I do have okay. to share. <laughs> no, I, I do just have to share because you just made the point, you know, that some people might be a little, you know, clutching their pearls uh -huh. or what, whatever about, you know, the, the scenario. I brought my nieces to see the show. Okay. They are 10, eight and five turning six this month. Mm -hmm. And the eight-year-old was obsessed <laughs> with spring chicken, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. And and of course she's eight, mm -hmm. right? So she's seeing what she's seeing, unvarnished from any other sort of context or or concern for what's sexual or what's not. She mm -hmm. just was drawn to you, yeah, and your performance, mm -hmm. right? And in a way, that's almost purer. Yeah. Than what some adult who's, you know, got their head polluted with all sorts of other ideas uh -huh. might have or exactly. their reaction, you know? And I was so touched by that. I think my sister <laughs> might have been a little more <laughs> scandalized as uh -huh. a parent, but I was like, you know what? Good for you. Yeah. Like, I loved that that, that was, because uh, I asked her, what was your mm -hmm. favorite moment in the show? Mm -hmm. And she said, spring chicken. Didn't even, did not <laughs> even skip a beat. There you go. You've got an eight-year-old fan. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I, Ioana and... um Manny and Corinne have all told me to like Zahi yeah. and um, Lennox and Juno mm -hmm. were like, could not stop talking about it. And yeah. it's yeah. so funny. I'm like, it's crazy. And I mean, all of them are amazing parents. I mean, we have so many parents on our yeah. cast. It's incredible. I know how EO is always like, this is your friend. Like, you're going to be nice. Like all this stuff. And yeah, I think it's just once they start getting something, another idea in their head or someone is like, this is how I feel about it. And then they start forming a different opinion about right, it. Whereas exactly. like first they're like, why is it wrong? Right. Like it doesn't make sense. And I'm like, as a kid, nothing is wrong until you have someone putting their opinion on it and then they think it's fact. And then mm -hmm. that's how it happens. And I'm like, no, that's just an opinion. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. someone's opinion. It has to be corrupted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which That's is, so interesting. Yeah. You know, and I imagine, you know, you've talked candidly mm -hmm. about this before, about uh, you're laughing at the word candid. <laughs> I always am. I'm like, ooh, should I be saying this? And yeah. I just start saying it. I'm like, well, it's already done. The answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, but you, you've talked about how in this business and in this world, there can be a very, to use a word, binary mm -hmm. approach to casting, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. that's casting is the bread and butter of this business. It's exactly. right. It's how you get a job. Yeah. And, you know, there can be very sort of limited ideas mm -hmm. of who can do what. And I get the sense from reading and hearing you talk about this experience that perhaps a highlight of dancing was that you got to be you mm -hmm. authentically to use that word on yeah. stage. Mm -hmm. And you had this opportunity mm -hmm. to play a role that wasn't a quote unquote male track or a quote unquote female track. Yeah. Right. It was mm -hmm. just your track. Exactly. I <laughs> you said candid and I'm about to be candid. <laughs> Oopsies. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> However, yeah. I'm also the only track that if mm. I call out or I'm out of the show, it is then split into binary. Mm is then I'm half covered by a male, half covered by a female. Mm. So yes, it's really great. But then also knowing that if I'm not on stage, there is no non-binary track happening. Right. So that was also, that was a trick bag as Corey would say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, and I know that they were trying to find that. I don't know how they couldn't find that. Um, I think there's so many incredible non-binary performers out there. And I think it also has to do with like, I lift Corey on my shoulder at the beginning of the show. Right. Obviously, someone who is born female can make, I mean, maybe they could do that, but that's one of the harder lifts. But like, it just doesn't feel like maybe they're like, okay, yeah, that's put, that's wrong. But I'm like, that part could have been changed. Um, but yeah, yes. there are ways around it. Yeah. No. And, and I think mm-hmm. what you're saying is that, you know, as this industry grows and embraces yeah. mm-hmm. the reality of non-binary people, yeah. right, that these are all things that have to be taken into consideration, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. and, you know, that you sort of had this bittersweet feeling about yeah. the fact that you did get to mm-hmm. play this track, but mm-hmm. then if you weren't in the show, it was split. Yeah. That's that's an interesting insight that maybe someone who isn't non-binary, who hasn't taken uh-huh. the time to think about it, yeah. might not realize. Yeah. Right? And I also think, because um, I don't want to like rip on them no, at all. No, of course because not. Because I yeah. think no. their whole thing around it was building a track around me and my strengths and what I can do. Right. And then not realizing that like, oh, we can't have like, Oh, like not thinking it at, they didn't think of it as a non-binary track. They thought of right. it as Colton's track. Right. Corinne and Wayne did. So mm-hmm. that I think, because of what I can do, then limits what, who can cover. Right. In a way. So right. it was, it was both. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I, I don't think I would want to change anything I got to do because I mean, one of my favorite parts is getting to start the show with Corey. Yeah. I mean, I love. What a great entrance. And presenting yeah. her to the stage. I mean, it's. It's Corey Michelle Petnod. She's a star. I get to carry her. I love it. So yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, I don't know. It was like a thing. I was like, I don't know how I feel about it. I kind of feel gross about it. But also I'm like, I don't think they, that was their intention. Right. It wasn't their intention. They were just. It's not mean spirited or. Yeah, it's just or, how it happened. Born of a good place. However, this is how change happens, mm-hmm. right? So unfortunately, a mistake may have been made in how the fulfillment of your track happened. Yeah. But the reality is now the world knows to do better. Mm-hmm. Right. And so perhaps, hopefully, yeah, let's make this happen. <laughs> right. That this is how we move forward. Exactly. In, in terms of when we're defining people's tracks, when we're mm-hmm. casting, when we're doing all of these things. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, somebody's got to Somebody's got to make a mistake for a change mm-hmm. to happen. I'm not yeah. saying a mistake was made necessarily. Yeah. That 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 sounded a little harsh, but yeah. this is how change happens. Yeah. It's and slow is what I'm saying. Exactly. It's slow and it's complicated and it's not always easy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's great that they make, because uh, all Broadway shows do, they always design when you're starting a show, design the track after the person who right. is originating it. But then some tracks are easier to replace people when they leave after a show and some if they don't do it correctly then it's like oh shit how are we, we gonna cast do a this? unicorn how yeah, do right. we replace exactly. this person yeah. so that you have to i mean obviously give that person their opportunity to shine and show everyone what they can do so they yeah. can have the best opportunity with the show and whatever happens beyond it but also have to think like okay so if this person is doing a lift how are we going to cast it if it's non-binary so maybe we shouldn't like just you have to think about all of it, I think. Um, yeah. Which then, I mean, that's a lot of thought process to go into <laughs> one thing. But it, we're building a Broadway show that's like everyone's building a Broadway show. Broadway shows go down in history. I mean, yeah. you're essentially making theater history every show you open. So everything should be that. It should be a big uh, decision. You should be thinking that broad and like, how can this happen? This track needs to be this. Okay, we're creating it on this person, this, this, and this. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's a consideration. It's certainly something that, you know, creatives have to have to think about. Exactly. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, yeah. speaking of building your track, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, not only are you the fabulous spring chicken at the end of, or towards the end of Act One, mm-hmm. But you also get to do the trumpet solo yes. in Sing, 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 yes. which, you know, Jamie and I were at uh, a workshop presentation you all did back in, what, December 2021. And we kept saying, who's going to who, who's going to do the trumpet? Who's going to do the trumpet? Because we didn't know. Right. Until yeah. it happened. And then it happened. Uh-huh. And then afterwards we said, well, duh. Yeah. Like, of course it was Colton because that was incredible. Uh-huh. So when did you find out that you were going to? do this solo so i didn't find out until we were like a week or two into starting the lab yeah and we started working on sing 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 they um when they told us we would all have like three features essentially Mm -hmm. and then um being the ensemble for everything else so like no one knew exactly what feature they were gonna do yet and we were all just like kind of taking it day by day except for um Cause we obviously sat there and read through the whole script. Right. And so I knew I was going to be doing spring chicken, whatever that was. And then, um, everyone knew those roles because it was all written in the script. Sing, sing, sing was not in the script because there's no words to it. <laughs> and no one knew. Um, it was a role I really wanted. And during the audition process, I had already found out that I booked the job. Um, but again, we didn't know what role that was going to be. And then I found out they were doing a tall girl call for trumpet solo. And I called my agent and I was like, Sophia, can I please just go in? Can you get me in so I can show them I can do it? Like, I just want to show them I can do it because it's something I wanted to do. I watched Dylise Croman do it growing up. And I was like, that is the most iconic solo I've ever seen. I want, I need to be doing that. And so she said, I couldn't get in because she was like, no, they've already seen you. They, you already have the job. Like they don't, they don't need to see you for this. They don't want to. And so I was like, okay, great. I didn't get it. So I go walked in being like, okay, that's a feature I'm not going to do. And then when they told me, I was like, oh my God, I was, I I was shocked, but also really excited to be able to do it. So what was it like? learning it was it was it a panic moment like no now i have to do this what have i gotten myself into (laughs) or was it like were you just you know thrilled that you'd get to you know do it and discover your version of it it was thrilling i mean they had all of us so it was uh ida saki who is one of the um on internal coverage for it Mm -hmm. ashley blair fitzgerald who was one of our understudies at the beginning and then me we were all in the room learning it from christine obviously ashley had done it in fossey this version is slightly different than the Fosse version because they yeah. added music to that one and switched directions on a couple things. But it essentially was, I mean, it's the same solo. It has the same meaning. We had, what, 45 minutes to learn it and they were learning, <laughs> doing something else in the other room. And then all of a sudden everyone came in and Wayne, Corinne, and they were like, okay, let's show it. And we were like, Oh, and that's when I got stressed. I was like, I literally just learned this. I don't even know how to count this yet. Yeah. Like what? It was crazy. There's a video of all three of us doing it all at oh, once. Cool. Oh, wow. To, yeah. That's I have fun. to find it yeah. because somebody yeah. needs to post that. Exactly. Yeah, right? That's incredible. Yeah. A little BTS. I, exactly. Yeah. It was really cool. What, what, what do you think makes your trumpet solo, your trumpet solo? This story that I'm telling is what everyone's telling. Like you're in the back room, you're changing, your song comes on, you start looking at yourself in the mirror naked and you're like, Ooh, what do I look like if I do this? And then you're just kind of, it's an improvisation. No one's watching you. That's kind of the basis of it. Yeah. And I think what makes mine different is that there is the feminine quality, but then there's also the like athleticism of it and the strength behind it. And so it's the mixture of all of that. And then finding the, uh, Corinne really helped me find the ebb and flow of like the, like explosive to the quiet parts of it. Because when I first started learning it, I was definitely hitting it really hard. And she was like, when you're hitting it all up here, it's not as exciting. It's kind of like you're screaming at someone and everyone Mm -hmm. is like, whoa, (laughs) like they're going to be shocked, but it's like, they're not following a journey. You have to have a journey through it. And so mm. she really helped me uh, pick apart moments of silence and moments of like explosiveness. And so I think finding that within the solo and how it changes every night, yeah. I think that's what makes mine so di- uniquely different. And also, I mean, I've been 
doing it every night. And so like, I guess I have the opportunity to play with it a little more. So on Broadway, you've done it every performance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I also don't have the hair. Oh, true. So the hairography, right? Yeah. But you have the shirt. I have the shirt. And I I will (laughs) say, I will say, and I wanted to ask Reed and Harriet this, and I don't think I did. Maybe you Mm -hmm. can answer it. I'm sure you can. In San Diego, your shirt was was flowy and a little unwieldy. Mm-hmm. And you have a different shirt now, right? No. Is it the same it shirt? It is the same shirt. Is it weighted? No. It's not? Wow, it feels like a totally, like uh-huh. it looks the same, but is it now, is it now, is it you? Is it how you're controlling the shirt? In San Diego, I didn't really know how to, like the first couple times I did it, when we were doing tech or whatever, I did it like once or twice without it. And then they were like, <laughs> okay, no, you have to wear it. And I was like, okay, cool. And I wore it. And I think I just like didn't process it. Like I kind of knew what it looked like because people were telling me what it looked like. Yeah. And they were like, it looks like, like when I do like the walks getting off the platform at the end, they were like, it literally blows in the wind. Like, Beyonce, like it's yes. like you have a Beyonce fan on you. Yes, and where's like, the fan? That's what I always yeah. want to know. Where's yeah, the fan? I know. There is uh, no fan. Nope. <laughs> and I think it's also the new costume. I hated the costume in San Diego. It was just a stand-in because last minute, Wayne didn't like what I was wearing. Yeah. So they were like, this is all we have time for. And so that was kind of just like, boop, we did it. I didn't love the costume there. And so that may <laughs> have something to do with it as well. But <laughs> your costume now is fantastic. Oh my gosh. I love the beating on the boots uh-huh, too. I too. really can't. I can't. I mean, I'm looking at your feet because of your kicks, but uh-huh, I'm really sure. looking at the, at the beating at yeah. the rhinestones or whatever they are. They're really great. I love the rhinestones. I literally went to read and Harriet. I said, so we should stone the shoes, shouldn't we? And they were like, <laughs> Reed was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, they're going to get stoned. I said, great. <laughs> That's oh, amazing. That was you, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I asked a lot of questions to Reed and Harriet about costumes. I was like, but what if... I, I always had the questions in the... Don't you, you think that would be great? You can... I mean, they could say no. Well, they were the also, designers. It's you up on that stage. Yeah. Right. You're the one and, wearing it. And you're the one yeah. wearing it. And, mm-hmm. and everything you do has a part of you in it, right? Yeah. This is... We've talked about this with many people mm-hmm. in the company. And you've, you've referenced it as well. Mm-hmm. I do have a question about the shoes, though. Because I have yeah. noticed this. There are, most of the time... In the show, uh-huh. you're in heels or some sort of a boot. I don't know if it's a Johnny boot. or. Mm-hmm. But then there's a moment where you're in flats. Is that driven by dance? Is it character driven? The duet? Yes. So that is Joint Endeavors. Endeavors. And you're in flats. Yes. And technically, this is where the binary thing comes in. That is the male-male duet. But Ida and Dilys are both barefoot as well. And I think it's just the... Um, because what Joint Endeavors is about, it's kind of about um, the hookup culture. Right. Every duet is about hooking up with someone. So we're like having intimate relations towards each other. The shoe for me, the ballet shoe, was a request for me personally, just because it feels more contemporary, more contemporary ballet. And mm. I've just felt more comfortable in that. They, I think they wanted me barefoot originally, but... I did it barefoot in San Diego and it didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I did it a couple times and then I did put a ballet shoe on again in San Diego, but a nude one. Um, cause the costume was slightly different and, um, you had the beads on the floor from sing, sing, sing. Some of them fall and they're glass beads. And so when they get stepped on, they shatter and Ooh. I was getting glass stuck in my feet. Oh, so I was like, no. I'm not doing that. Oh, <sighs> I've had that happen. It's very painful. Yeah. yeah it's not yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. I was, cu- I was so, curious. Yeah. Well, shoes are important. I yeah. mean, you yeah. know, I, not to belabor the point, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the shoe is the part of you that touches the floor. Exactly. Right. So yeah. it's, yeah. yeah, the dancer, it's not a small thing, mm-hmm. right? Getting the shoes right is in fact really important. Yeah. And I love a ballet shoe. I mean, I grew, I yeah. went, to Juilliard, you know, and yeah. I, I don't know. Ballet is one of my favorite things and I like a ballet shoe. Yeah. So, Why not? <laughs> you know, yeah. as the yeah. song says, if it feels good, let it ride. Exactly. You know? Amen. <laughs> Amen. So we're at the joint endeavors part of our conversation, sure, sure, sure. I think is where yeah. we're at. Right, yeah. Rob? Well, you know, it's one of my favorite moments of the entire show. Amazing. Um, yes. And I'm obsessed with the duet that mm-hmm. you do with Jovan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's, you know, one of the more, from an, as from an audience perspective, those lifts mm-hmm. are just so thrilling to watch. And they seem like they might not, in fact, be, but they seem like some of the more technically difficult things that happen in the whole show. Yeah. 
I yeah. mean, you also have those kicks in the, in the trumpet <laughs> solo, which also feel like uh-huh. an impossibility yeah. because your body's going in six different directions uh-huh. at the same time. And yet you do them. And yet you do them. Yeah. Six well, times. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? It six? It's six. Three and three. Three and three. I'm yeah. counting yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Check and like your math. 12 on two show days. Yeah. So what was yeah, that's true. Yeah, mm. So what was it like developing that piece with Jovan and, you know, figuring out the technicality of, of those lifts? Um, I mean, Jovan is such a strong dancer and yeah. such an amazing partner. Yeah. And so, I mean, we learned it from a video, obviously. And um, we looked at it a couple times. And then Corinne was like, so I think they come this way around. And so we basically, it was kind of a trial and error yeah. um, on how we get into the list because if you watch all that jazz where these uh, duets come from, it's like picture after picture after picture. You never really see the transition on how they get into it. Yeah. And so it was a lot of us piecing the pictures together. Um, and like, I mean, with the lists, uh, Jovan is so easy to dance with. Yeah. And like anyone who dances with Jovan says the same thing. I was talking to someone who was his partner and she was just like, it's so weird. Like you don't even second guess anything. Like the trust you can feel from him and his energy is like, you feel safe and you're like, I'm just going to do it. And like, I know you're going to catch me. Like we're going to be fine. And it's just, it's that it's so something so special that he has as a partner that not everyone has. I imagine that's rare. Yeah. It's so rare. And it's so special when that connection kind of happens. And I don't think I've seen anyone like, or met anyone who has partnered with him who has not said the same exact yeah. thing, which is crazy because partnering is a skill and it's a hard skill to learn. And so it's its own mm. dance in it, of itself. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I'm like, if I'm ever in an audition room and Jovan is there and if there is partner work, <laughs> I'm looking right at Jovan and like, we're doing this together. <laughs> we're going to do this. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Well, the other moment that I have to highlight, which, uh, it's quick. It's so fast, but it's I gotcha. Oh, I love I gotcha. Yeah. I love Harley I does gotcha. too. She said the same thing. It's You so both fun. love doing it. Yeah, we do. We feel, I mean, as the pimps, we're like, we're Yanni's backup dancers. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yanni is Beyonce, <laughs> and we are behind her like, you got this. Boy, Yanni crushes I gotcha. Yeah. I mean, crush. I was shocked when she told us that she hadn't really watched Liza do it. Like yeah. she wanted to be able to have it, you know, not in her head. Mm-hmm. And, and she just, oh my God, she yeah. crushes it. Yeah. All three of you do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but Yanni, especially, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's so, it's so funny too, because like she literally embodies, I mean, she does it her way, obviously, right. but it's like, she still embodies the Liza energy. And yes. for not seeing Liza do it, I'm like, you it's know amazing. what? Yeah. yeah. I feel like a lot of people have not watched a lot of things because they didn't want intentionally. To. Yeah. yeah. Intentionally. Cause we didn't want to be influenced by a choice that someone else made. And I think that goes to show with how Wayne brought us all together and was basically like, cause Wayne didn't really even want to see us and us look at ourselves in the mirror and try to change and like right. self correct ourselves because he was like, Bob never worked with mirrors. Bob let everyone shine the way they needed to shine, obviously. And I think that was the most special thing about this process was that, but like how the energy was still the same. Yeah. Even though like, I mean, trumpet, I, I try to channel Dylise in a way every <laughs> single time I look at her, she goes off actually. I don't know if she told, told you, but when she goes off, she kind of starts the amoeba of it yeah. already doing like a little movements from trumpet. And I'm mm. like, okay. <clears throat> and I see it while I'm walking on. And then, um, <laughs> The baton has passed. Yeah. You know? And yeah. then she does it whenever yeah. I, um, I'm sitting there and I'm looking here. I start with my eyes closed usually just yeah. to like get in it. And then she starts walking off and she's the first one off stage in that back diagonal. And she does the shimmer hands down and then she throws it to me uh, every single night. And so I'm like, I feel that energy, right? She throws it to me as I start looking and I see it and then I start looking. And so it's like, she's sending her energy, she's sending Annie's energy. She's sending, she's like, you're doing your trumpet now in a way. And so it's like, it's a really special moment. What a lineage. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is, oh my gosh, what an insight. It's fun. I I mean, I always say it. I'm like, it's two generations of 
trumpets in the building. She's like, it's not two generations. It's three generations because Annie's here with me always. Mm. And I'm like, oh my God emotional yeah i was like I mean, God. seriously yeah, yeah but it's really cool well i've noticed when you're doing trumpet solo that you look stage left mm-hmm. several times during the solo i don't know if you mm-hmm. i don't know that you do this or maybe not oh. i don't know oh you, you there's a glance you just did it <laughs> i just saw it i wish this was a video podcast because you just did the exact same look that you give on stage what talk to us a little bit about that? I don't know. You don't know. Okay. I don't know why it's I just, do that. It's just what happens. Yeah. 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 It comes from within. Uh-huh. Yeah. I do know because that side of the stage and that front corner. Yeah. Um, Carly Donardo is right mm-hmm. there. And mm. I, so I, I feel her yeah. too at yeah. the same time. And so I think that's part of it. Yeah. And so I don't I don't know though. I don't yeah. know for sure. No. I don't know for sure. Well, look, look, it's just something that happens. Yeah. I, I I read a review of the original Dance Sin mm-hmm. where Anne Ryan King was uh, described as having a feline intensity, mm. which <laughs> I'm sitting with a cat uh-huh. and I'm wearing my cat's t-shirt today <laughs> and you are doing the, tr- you know, a, a, a dance that uh-huh. Anne Ryan King did. And I don't know, there's something about that phrase, feline intensity, that has always stuck with me because it's such a perfect way of describing both her as a performer, Mm -hmm. but also now you as a performer. Yeah, and I I totally understand that because of how um, cats kind of changed the way I dance, Yeah, obviously, um, because, I mean, we were in cat school for the first three days. We did nothing else. We literally crawled on the ground for three days. It was so crazy, um, <laughs> especially because we were all crawling on the ground and like Leona Lewis was crawling on the ground with us. We were all like, I was like, oh my God, Leona Lewis is on the ground with us. Like, we're in it. It was like, we all were like, what is happening? But you know, you learn and then you like learn the little things and it's always like, it's this intention and it's like the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and like where that comes from and like where you start sensing things from mm. more and realizing that you don't always have to look at it to sense something. Like you don't have to hear a noise and be like, oh my gosh, and look at it. You can feel it in the back of your ear. I think that is also something I use whenever I dance as well. And I think it helps helps the energy project more outwardly, I guess, Mm. in a way. But like, it's definitely about like where you're holding back and stuff and when you can like let go. I mean, like, Cats pounce a lot. And before they pounce, they always back up slowly and like they get still and then they jump and attack. And so it's like bringing that into human stories as well, because I mean, we're all inherently animals as well. We're all animalistic. We have that inner animal in all of us. And so like if you can find that on stage as well while being a human and then humans see it, it also reads differently and like, oh, I've had that feeling before. Well, we have to ask, do you have a favorite moment in the show? Oh my gosh. That's so hard. Yeah. That is so hard. There are so <laughs> many moments that like I love. Gosh, if we're talking about a moment I do, I mean trumpet obviously, that's like a given. And I love I mean the features I have are really big highlights for me. I love Calypso. Mm. <laughs> Calypso is one of my favorite numbers to do. I don't know why, and I think it's Cause it is so modern and it's kind of back to my training and Bob choreographed this. So that's another favorite moment. I love big noise. I never want to do it. I never <laughs> want to do it. We had to do like, oh, what, eight, eight counts or something in the audition. And it was the hardest thing. And I'm like, we only did eight, eight counts. It is like a five minute long number. I would <laughs> die. I'm like, I never want to do it. I never want to do it. But I love watching Tony and Nando and Maddie do it because they're incredible but I never want to do it. There's yeah. a lot of moments that I'm like, mm. I love sitting backstage and hearing Corey sing cherries. That, That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. her voice. Oof. <laughs> she, when we interviewed her, she was sort of questioning that moment. Like, mm. is it really landing? And I said, do you have ears? Yeah. Can you, you hear? You must know, like, I believe you, is what you said. Yeah. You must know. Because <laughs> it's just, every time I see it, even... You know, there are audiences that are better than some, right? Yeah. Every once in a while, you get an audience that isn't reacting. But that, Mm -hmm. there are several moments you just cannot, you can't, even the worst audience goes crazy for. Yeah. And Corey's. It's always. Jerry's this one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Always. Mm -hmm. Always. Always. What will you miss most about the show? The people. Definitely all the people. That's definitely. 
think the main thing I'm going to miss being in the building with everyone, being on stage with everyone. I mean, I know we'll see each other, hopefully. I mean, you never know with this business. Um, so, yeah, it's the people the most. Well, you you are an incredible dancer. There's no question about that. You've also said publicly that, you know, you would consider hanging up your dancing shoes to focus on your music. So yeah. I'm curious, is that what's next for you? Have you, have you given any thought to what that looks like? Yeah, I'm actually writing two new songs right now. And yeah, I am definitely working towards that. I think I'm always going to use dance. Movement's always going to be a part of my storytelling, even if I'm a singer. I mean, pop singers dance all the time. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely starting to focus elsewhere with it just because, you know, the body hurts. <laughs> but also growing but, artistically yeah. takes many shapes and forms. Exactly. Right? You, yeah. you will return to dancing. You may, I cannot say dancing. <laughs> I always say, say dancing. dancing. Yeah. But it does. Yeah. Art takes many shapes. Exactly. And as an artist, you can spread your wings and grow mm -hmm. and do all of those things. And it, it doesn't, you, you don't need to be defined as a dancer the rest of your life. Yeah. Or maybe you do. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I don't know, I'm definitely interested in music, obviously, and writing it and performing it and doing that aspect of it. I'm also, I wouldn't say acting is my strong suit with my words and things because I get nervous speaking sometimes as a dancer, you know, because we're always told that, you know, growing up, we were told that like our voice didn't really matter. Just do what we tell you. And so... Mm. That's another thing, but, um, well, that's fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> it is fucked up, but, um, now I'm getting more comfortable with doing spring chicken and mm. like, that's why it's one of my favorite moments because I'm like, I learned how to feel comfortable with using my words on a stage and acting and then singing and like dancing all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like I, I encompass such everything power in into all of it. That. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, oh, I can do this now. Kind of just, I guess just marrying everything I do all in one. Now I'm like, no, I want to be doing things where I'm doing all of it. You've gotten a taste of it. Yeah. With yeah, dancing. Exactly. And now you want more. Yeah. <laughs> and I definitely, I don't think uh, dancing is done for me. I just think if I can get into a room by just singing or acting or, you know, I record my music and then I make a music video and like do that, then like, boom, whatever is going to fulfill me artistically, I think yeah. is where I'm headed. Good. Yeah. As it should be. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just doing things that artistically fulfill me. Good. Whether or not it's making a lot of money or doing work for myself. Hopefully it's both. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to manifest that it's both. Let's manifest. We'll, we'll manifest with you. Well, Amazing. you've been so incredible with your time and, and your insights into the show and sharing your experience. So thank you so much for being so candid yep. <laughs> and speaking with us. I'm wondering as this, as this dance and journey Mm -hmm. comes to a close this mm -hmm. weekend and you've spent two years with, you know, these extraordinary people that mm -hmm. you've lived with, uh, and you know, from San Diego to workshops to Broadway, mm -hmm. what are your sort of parting words that you'd oh want to share? My parting words. We left our footprints on the sand of time. We did that. And I'm proud of everything we did and I would not change a single thing. Besides the fact that we're closing, it's the only <laughs> thing I think I would change. Yeah. Everything else I would, I don't think I would do anything differently. You left it all on the stage. Yep. We left it all on the stage. We left it all with each other and I'm proud of every single one of us. And as you said yeah. earlier in this discussion, at some point this weekend, Danson, this production of Danson officially enters Broadway history. Mm -hmm. It does. And you'll always be a cast member of Danson. Mm -hmm. You did that. Yep. Always be a cast member. And if you need to come see us again, we'll be in the Lincoln Center Library. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that you will. Well, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real treat. Yes. A dancing man, a dancing man, a dancing man with footsteps on the Dancing Man, a Fabulous Invalid podcast, is a production of O&M Etc. and the Fabulous Invalid LLC, and a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network. Special thanks to Civilian for hosting us, and to our audio engineer, Kyle Moore. If you liked this episode, we've got over 100 episodes of the Fabulous Invalid podcast that you can check out, including a two-parter on the life, work, and legacy of Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon. 
You can find us online at thefabulousinvalid.com and on social media at fabulousinvalid and on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.